Shall we begin? Let's begin. All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. I am your host, Francisco. Today, we have a special guest. He is an author of two books. His latest book is called I Don't Want to Turn Three. I want to introduce everybody to Gramps Jeffrey. How are we doing, Gramps? How, how are we today? Oh, great. I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. Yeah, yeah, of course. We always have uh, open platform people that want to, you know, show interest uh, in the things that they do and the passion that they have. So um, I read the book. Um, very, you know, very unique in how you did it. Can you explain to my audience what prompted you to, to uh, write this particular book? Yeah, you know, living during the uh, past year because of the pandemic caused by the COVID-19, obviously, in isolation, except for being able to be with my family and, and some friends, really gave me a special time to interact uh, with my grandkids. I got to tell you what a trip that is, because I've got uh, six grandkids. They all have different personalities. Yeah, they all, but the one thing they have in common is their sense of curiosity yeah, and how excited they get when they do accomplish something. So, so watching them grow year to year is really the basis of this book. You know, what goes through a toddler's mind, you know, they, which we're also uh, desperate to understand. You know, when does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? Uh, so this book kind of explores how the family found out. And this is a true story, this book. And so I am sure that this same story is happening in just about every family across the world. So is this the type of thing you want to turn into a series and use your grandkids as inspirations moving forward? Just taking what you're learning from them, dealing with them on a daily basis and turning it into stories to, uh, you know, give the public? Interesting that you said that because, you know, the title of this book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. And now we're working on a book, I Don't Want to Turn Four. In fact, my uh, oldest granddaughter, who was eight at the time, is now nine. And she came to me last week and she says, you know, Gramps, I got an idea for a book that I want to write and we can write together is I Don't Want to Turn Ten. And I said, I said, well, you want to write a book? You? I Don't Want to Turn Ten. Why, why don't you want to turn 10? She says, you know, I, I'm going to have to learn how to drive pretty soon. I said, that's seven years away. Why are you worrying about it now? She says, yeah, and, and I got to I got to figure out where I'm going to go to college. I don't know what to do about that. I said, that's another nine years away. Why are you worrying about it now? She says, I'm just worried. So I think we can come up with a book. I don't want to turn 10. So you're right. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, things that happen to us throughout our lifetime that, that we can we can turn this into a series. Yeah, I have five children myself, all different age ranges. So there's a, you know, you have a plethora, a plethora of stories that you can tell from, you know, ranging from my oldest, which is 15, all the way down to my youngest, which is seven. So it's all there for you. Um, but the inspiration uh, comes from everyday life that you, you know, you deal with when it comes to your grandkids. So your grandkids are very open to, you know, telling you uh, they were very open to this book. How did they feel about it when you wrote it, that they were the inspiration for it? Well, you know, the you got to go back to really what the true theme of the book is. And you know, the real theme is at what age do we begin to take responsibility for our actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13? Is mm -hmm. it 23? I mean, I'm a baby boomer. And I got plenty of my uh, uh, people my age, 63, that still don't take responsibility for their actions. So that really is the, the basis for the book. Um, and it, it, was, it was great because... Like many other grandparents, you know, 
when I was growing up, when I was three years old and when I was young, you know, my, my uncle lived up the street, my grandmother lived two blocks away, and we were all together. But in today's world, and using just me as an example, you know, I've got two of my grandkids here with us in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, I got two others in Austin, Texas, and I got two others in Orlando, Florida. So we're all over the place. You know, so, so, you know, that's, that's really, you know, one of the messages of the book is how can grandparents stay involved with their grandkids, you know, as, as they're growing up. So my mother lives in Cleveland, Ohio. We moved from Cleveland, Ohio down to the Carolinas. Uh, and it's one of those type of deals where we'll go up there to go see her, um, for her to stay in touch with the kids. You know, today's my twin's birthday. They actually turned 13 today. So, you know, she you sent the message out to them, but it's, it's not the same when they're not in person. So how do you keep that? How do you keep in touch with them knowing that they're separated? Do you, you know, you're on call with them. Do you see video call them a lot once a week, twice a week? How do you keep that connection with your grandkids knowing that they're the inspiration for what you're doing? Well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that she's from Ohio. I also, I was from a small town called Zanesville, Ohio, uh, which is probably a couple hours south of Cleveland. Uh, but, but what's interesting about the whole communication is, you know, I had them all here for about six weeks during COVID. Uh, so I had a chance really what the book is based on. It's how they all interacted with each other at that time. And then they all, you know, the, the two in Texas went home and the two in Orlando went home. But the one interesting thing that I learned with all these kids here at the same time is they all love dinosaurs. Two and three and four and five-year-old kids, they love dinosaurs. Yeah, I don't know why they love it, but it, their friends love them too. You know, they can, this, this three-year-old can, can name all these dinosaurs for me. You know, they can, they can, they can tell me you know, whether they eat meat, you know, who they fight with. You know, as far as I'm concerned, dinosaurs are you know, small, medium, and large, but, but they really are into this. So talking about connecting, like you were talking about connecting with your mother, um, what we decided to do is, you know, we've got six little dinosaurs here in the house, and we decided that we were going to put the dinosaurs in a different situation every night. So for instance, we had the dinosaurs in the refrigerator eating blueberries. We had the dinosaurs at the sink washing dishes with grandma and they had soap on their noses. We had the dinosaurs playing the piano. We had the dinosaurs walking up the steps, 50 different nights, 50 different places inside the house and outside the house. So what happened was we became part of the routine for the kids in Texas and in Orlando. You know, well, they would take their bath, they'd read their book, and then they would say to their mom and dad, you know, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So they would call you know, grandma on her iPhone because she has to FaceTime and they would immediately ask, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that was our way of staying in touch and really being part of their lives and part of their routine. Uh, and I'm sure your listeners can come up with other ways that they could do the same thing. Uh, but you've got to, when you're grandparents and you're distant like that, you've got to come up with some kind of a way to stay in touch with them. Because, you know, you only have, for kids, you only have like 18 years to make any kind of influence with them, probably a little less as they get to 14, 15, 16. But, you know, you only have a small period of time to do that. So you've got to, you got to do it. And kids, they don't call you. I mean, when you're two, three, four years old, you know, they don't, they don't think about calling grandma. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so you've got to make it. And so I was lucky because they wanted to call us every night because they wanted to know where the dinosaurs were. But, but in real life, you don't, don't have that opportunity. So I would just urge all of your listeners to make sure that they keep in touch with these little kids. This 
as far as I'm concerned, this generation, these one to 10 year old kids are the greatest generation that this country has ever produced. They're smarter than any of us. You know, us baby boomers thought we were smart, but these kids are much smarter than we are. Uh, you know, because when they start to grow up, when they're little two, three years old, they're already into electronics, they're already on the internet, they're already learning things, you know, so it's up to us as the mature adults in the room to, to feed them other things so they have a complete understanding growing up. So I came in the generation, I was born in 79, I came in a generation where, you know, internet, I was around when internet first came out. You know what I mean? So my daughter, she can pick up a tablet and be on a computer and know everything about it, you know, better than I can. They And you're correct. They, these kids are already born knowing technology more than we did back in the day. Um, but I think sometimes that connection, that connection is that family connection needs to happen with these kids, because even though technology is there, I think they still have to have that emotional attachment to their, their parents, their grandparents, uh, because, you know, doing it through the phone is nice, but when you have something special like you do with the dinosaurs with them, it gives them that emotional connection. There's something to look forward to, you know what I mean? When they want to see you and when they want to talk to you, because now they can go, oh, grandpa has something, you know, waiting for me. Where's the dinosaurs? Where do you put them at this time? What are they doing this time? You already ingrained that in them. So they, you know, they're going to ask for you. They're going to look for you, which is, I think is fantastic. You know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and you know this book is pretty much also kind of a you know as a baby we were trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old, you know, um, you know that's also part of this whole story. My parents didn't have cell phones, you know, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have cable TV, they didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He say, "Son, go change the channel." You know, that's the way we grew up, and so it's a whole different world today. And we just got to balance the two. Yeah, I, I believe it's a it's a balancing game. Now, is this your full time thing now? Doing the uh, being an author and, and starting to write books, is this or something that you're doing just part time, or is this like your full time passion now that you're going to concentrate moving on forward? My passion right now is to get grandparents more involved in how this newest generation is being raised. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get out there to make sure that grandparents are more involved. I mean, if you think about it, you know, we should be reading books to kids every single day. And we, we need to do that just to offset everything else they're learning from the internet. But they need to have, have, have that ability to read books. It should be part of their routine. And, you know, grandparents need to be involved in that. So why, why should you read kids' books every night? Well, you know, one of the things that the benefits is the bonding. Okay, I mean, it gives you when you when you sit there for 10, 15 minutes with a, with a child on your lap and you're reading a book, you really have a chance to bond with them. You have a chance to really understand a little bit more with them. You know, another reason why we should all be reading books and you know, obviously I want them to read my book, but there's a 100 other great books out there that they can read, too, you know, is it really supports listening skills. Now, you and I know as we get older that listening skills is the best skill that we can have. The better we listen, the better we can communicate, the better we can grow and just get smarter. So this having the time to read books and have them sit on your lap, you know, that's just part of the listening skills that helps them learn. Again, when they're two, three, four years old, you know, the, the another reason why we should all be reading books to these kids is for the cognitive, you know, and the language development. 
I mean, there's going to be words in these books they don't understand. So it gives you a chance to actually explain them, talk about them, helps them expand how they're doing that. You know, they may or may not pick that up on the internet, but it's important for us to give them that personal feeling for that. You know, and another reason is the whole attention span. I mean, as you well, as, as a father of lots of kids, you know, these kids bounce off the walls. They, they, you know, they go from one thing to another. But if you get them alone with a book and you, and you spend 15 to 20 minutes, you know, this helps bring that whole attention span learning process into play. So how do you move forward, though, teaching other grandparents and helping grandparents adjust to this generation? What are you doing besides the book that is incorporating this stuff to be able to do that to get your message out there? Yeah, I've written a couple uh, articles. If, if any of your listeners want to take a look at them, you know, on the Women Baby Boomer site, you'll see a couple articles I've got on, you know, how we as grandparents can get more involved in that. You know, obviously doing a podcast like this. And I would imagine that some of your uh, listeners are my age and uh, hopefully they'll be listening to that too. Uh, because again, going back to why we, the whole reading thing just helps expand these little kids' minds. I mean, the smartest thing to do, again, if you're, if you're sitting there reading with a child, is have the kid pick out the book. You know, let, let them bring the book to you. So that way they immediately are involved in, in, in how, how the book's put together. And then before you even read the book to them, you say to them, you know, what do you think is going to happen in this book? You know, again, we as grandparents and parents what we have to do is, is necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. We have to teach them at a very young age how to think. And so if you, if you bring them this, they bring you the book, you ask them, what do you think is going to happen? You're starting to that whole thinking process. You know, that's what we have to do as adults to, to drag this out of them. You know, during the reading, you want to ask them, you know, who are the characters in this book? You know, where is the setting? Again, asking them questions so they start to think about how to, how to, how to interact with you. you know, and as you're reading along, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? you know, have you ever seen this? Have you ever done this? You know, and then obviously, when you're done with the book, what was your favorite part of the book? Why was that? You know, that's a question hopefully all of us are asking at the dinner table. What was your favorite thing of the day and what did you do? You know, we as grandparents and parents just have to teach these kids how to think. So for my audience that doesn't know, you have a passion for writing anyway, correct? You have written another book and you've also written articles in the past, correct? Yes. My first book is a business book because I spent most of my life in the business world. I uh, have started a couple companies, one I sold to investors, another one I took public. Um, and the title of that book is, the Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. And the reason I wrote that book is because the customers of uh, my company were the moms and the pops who were surviving and thriving against the chains. And so this is a 15-chapter book that gives you step-by-step -step on how to open a business, you know, how to hire people, where to find a location, what kind of products to sell, you know, how to go after your customers, both on the internet and also traditionally. And so that was my first book. Uh, and that was a very satisfying book for me because you could actually see that customers were reading and, and, and taking advantage of some of the ideas of part of that book. Uh, and Arianna Huffington read the book and asked me to become a contributor to the Huffington Post. Oh, nice. And, 
And so when I was, uh, I've written over 100 articles for the Huffington Post on all kinds of things of entrepreneurship, small businesses, and about half the articles were for nonprofit organizations, you know, about the homeless and the uh, elderly and uh, school and education, because about half of our customers became nonprofits were buying from us to stretch their dollars to help more people. So that gave me a chance to, to be part of that. And interestingly enough, you know, I'll give away the end of the book. It's only a 30-page, two-page book of I Don't Want to Turn Three, is in the end, all the kids give their you know, toys and everything they have to the homeless kids downtown. And so you know, that kind of evolved out of all of my research I had done before, but it really came, Olivia, again, the, the oldest one, had come and said, you know, our school's doing a drive for the homeless kids. Let's let's participate. And so it kind of all came together for me that way. So one of my rules in the house is, is if we get the kids anything new, they have to donate something old. So we're, we're in that same, same mindset because I let my kids, especially my daughter, because she gets very attached. You know, girls tend to get attached to their stuffed animals a lot. So it's like pulling teeth to get her to give up something. But that's the rule, and we got her accustomed to it. So if we go out and we get her something new, she has to give up something old because we let her know there's not kids out there fortunate enough like you to receive new things the way you do. So there's somebody out there that might want your toy that's never had your toy before that they can use it more than you can because you have all these toys sitting. You're not playing with them all. They, you know, they just gain an emotional attachment to it, and we have to teach them there's other people out there that can use the things that you, you have that you're not using anymore. Same thing with clothes. We donate clothes. We donate everything. I love Goodwill. We can buy, you can find brand new things at Goodwill, furniture, clothes, everything. So I think it's that mindset. You have to get it ingrained in them early to get, listen, it's always good to give back. And a lot of, some people don't, don't have that mindset, but I think what you're doing is, is you're trying to instill that in people at an early age, which is a good thing. I think that the book helps people think that way. Like, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, we're doing the right thing here, whether you think it's the right thing or not the right thing. You know what I mean? Interesting that you bring that up, man, because earlier we were talking about what kind of questions do you do you, you ask your children every day that uh, makes a difference to teach them how to think. My favorite question to ask two and three and four and five-year-old kids is what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Now, first time that you ask that, what do you, do you do today that was nice to someone else? They look at you like, what are you talking about? But then if you put that into everything every day, that if you say that to them, then all of a sudden they're going to start sharing toys with their cousins. You know, they're going to try to be a little nicer so they can come back and report to you. This is what I did today that was nice to someone else. But can you imagine if we were able to get this whole new generation to think that way, when they grow up to be our age, how different this United States would become? Well, you're, see, and this is the thing, a lot of the generation don't, don't think like you think. I mean, a lot of the baby boomers that I know don't, don't have that same mentality that you have. They don't, a lot of the baby boomers are stuck in that, that old ways that, you know, the baby boomers were the greatest generation. They, they don't think, they don't have the mentality of wanting to adjust to us. You know what I mean? They still want us to adjust to them. The old ways were the best ways, but like anything else, time stops for nobody. We have to be able to adjust to what's coming. And I think your mentality is a good mentality to have. And I think you educating, you know, the, the baby boomer generation, even my generation 
it, it's a good thing because a lot of these parents are stubborn in their ways. They don't want to, they don't want to listen to their kids. They just, you know, they want their kids to do what they want them to do. And I try to instill in my kids, listen, you can be whatever you want to be. If you're not satisfied with something, change it. I mean, it's not that difficult. Don't feel like you're saddled into something. You're right. I would say there's 40% of the baby boomer generation that really doesn't care much about their grandkids, right? You know, they, they're, they're, they, many of them said to me, hey, I, I raised my kids. I did a great job raising my kids. It's up to them to take care of the grandkids. You know, hopefully what I taught them will pass on and it'll just filter its way down. Well, you know, we have to realize that in today's world, with COVID and sickness, you know, we could be here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, I can't tell you how many people my age I've, I've seen go away because of this. And it's, it's much greater than it's ever been. So we've got, to, you know, to, to realize that these kids are young only once. Again, they only have a few years we can influence them. And we may not be there tomorrow. So we have got to do that. You know, as you probably also realize as you're getting older, as you get older, you do get a little wiser you do little more things because you fail a lot more and you understand from those failures how to, to, to get better. And so we've got this wisdom on you know, all the baby boomers that we have got to pass on because again, we have a short time to do it. Um, and so you know, we have to be an influence. We got to try to be part of this routine of these kids, but we've got to give them you know, the things that will complement what they're looking, we're learning on the internet so they just become a whole much better generation than we ever were. Yeah. And, and I think uh, there's a disconnect and I think we need to start, you know, bridging that gap between the older generation and newer generation. And I think moving forward, I think things like this, things like you're doing things with the books, you know, things on educating older folks. I think this is something that's going to be, you know, it's going to be very good for society in a, in a whole um, to help with that. So do you hold, do you plan on holding, like, do you have any pages? Like, do you hold seminars? Do you do videos for this stuff? Or is just the books is going to be the way for you to bridge that gap? Well, I've got, uh, I've got a blog where I've got uh, every, every couple of weeks, we talk about something different between kids and grandkids and, and all that. So I'm working on making that happen. You know, obviously, the more I can get exposed and talk to people of my generation, you know, the more successful I'm going to be. So where can everybody find, where can people find you at? Where can they find the book at? Where can they find the other book at? So you can find both of the books on Amazon. You can find both uh, The Secrets of Retailing, How to Be Walmart on Amazon. And you can find I Don't Want to Turn Three on Amazon. You can find that on uh, Barnes & Noble and about 100 other sites. Or come to my site. It's GrampsJeffrey.com. You know, GrampsJeffrey.com. Very easy. Or if any of your listeners want to talk about this, please email me. It's gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you about it and interact with you on, uh, you know, how can we get our grandparents more involved in making sure these kids are successful? So I know, I know the older generation is not big on social media. So do you have any social media sites that you use at all? Do you use Facebook? Do you have, you know, uh, Instagram? Is there any, because the young generation really, <laughs> really don't do the email thing. <laughs> is there like any social sites that you use that people can get a hold of you on? Yeah, luckily for me, I was one of the pioneers of the B2B space on the internet. So I understand all the how important social media was. So yes, I've got all the social media you just mentioned, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn, you know, but you got Facebook and, and you can find all that uh, connections from the site. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. If you when you come out with the new book, let me know, I will bring you back on so we can talk about it. 
You are always welcome on the show. I thank you uh, for trying to bridge that gap between the baby boomer generation and the new generation out. And you heard it here, folks. He thinks the new generation now between ages of one and 10 is the greatest generation that this country is ever going to see. And this is coming from a baby boomer. So I would listen. <laughs> I would listen. All right. I appreciate you coming on, Gramps. Thank you for coming on the show. And we will see you guys next time.